Hello, and welcome to the Substance of Life Experience podcast. Glad you could join us today. And I always welcome all of my new listeners. Glad you found us. Glad you shared us with someone else. And um, they're part of our new uh, listening group. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that I am very sure will inspire those individuals who are interested in the culinary arts. So as always, sit back, find a quiet spot, get that favorite beverage, and just give me a few moments of your time. I am very sure that you will be inspired after listening to this particular episode. So, this episode is geared towards those individuals who are interested in the culinary arts. And there are so many of us out there who may have graduated from a culinary arts school with a degree, and there are those individuals who have been studying certain crafts like pastry and uh, making certain types of cuisine. Well, unfortunately... COVID-19 might have put a small damper on your plans for opening up that restaurant or wanting to uh, branch out into different areas of the culinary arts. And, you know, as with anything, we have to be very, very careful. So this episode is designed to broaden your horizons just a little bit and share a little bit of my past. So growing up in my family, I was exposed to two individuals who were uh, interested in the culinary arts and who actually, that's how they made their livings. My aunt, my aunt Juanita had a small restaurant called simply The Cafe. And of course, this was down in Georgia. And, you know, as I look back now that I'm older, I recognize certain things that I'm like, oh, yes, how apropos. So Aunt Juanita had a sit-down small cafe that could accommodate approximately mm, maybe 50 people. And her restaurant was centered on the part of town where the railroad tracks went by. So her restaurant was literally, and I do mean literally, in front of a railroad station. I'm very serious. This is not something that I'm making up. So every summer, as with the tradition for some African-American families who migrated to the north, what do you do with your children? That's right. You send them down south to be exposed to other family members in the south. And I will tell you, I spent many a year from the age of five up until I want to say I had to be about 12 or 13. I know that I did not go back the year that I got my working papers because I was able to work during that year. But Aunt Juanita's Cafe made the best, and I do mean the absolute best soul food in town. People would come from miles around, and her menu was very, very simple. It was all soul food. And some days, you know, she would have a special. Like some days she would do oxtails. Some days she would do pig's feet. Some days 
very rare days, and I did not like those days when I was down south. She would do chitlins and hog mugs and serve that as an entree. What did I do during those days? Well, I was responsible for shelling peas and picking greens and washing chicken and uh, peeling potatoes. So <laughs> I, I've had that back room experience, if you will. And as I got older, she would allow me to serve the food and be a waitress and collect those wonderful tips. Her clientele consisted of all of the truckers that came past. A lot of the individuals who rode the train would stop by and buy a dinner. So my Aunt Juanita did extremely well for herself and her family with the cafe. As I grew up in the winter months or the fall months, if you will, uh, we would go to Massachusetts. Now, there's a little town in Massachusetts called Springfield, Massachusetts. And this is back in the 60s and the 70s. Every single year, they would have a festival. And it was called the Harambees Festival. And there would be just a wonderful, um, if you can liken it to a block party of different vendors and different foods and different food trucks. And we would culminate by having uh, at the end of the festivities with fireworks and things of that nature. They had performers on stage who sang and danced. I mean, this was an annual celebration in Springfield, Massachusetts. And my uncle's Every single year that we went to the Harambe Festival, my uncles would uh, make daishikis and my brother and myself would have to wear them. And, you know, of course, family members had to work. We were exposed to a food truck. And on the food truck, you know, they sold different types of food, hamburgers and hot dogs and um, potato salad and macaroni salad. And, you know, people would come up to the food truck and order their little meal and sit down and eat it. And, you know, that was my exposure to the culinary arts and culinary food. So now I'm going to fast forward because I know what you're thinking. Where is she going with this? I want to inspire you to think differently based upon the story that I told you about myself. So because of COVID-19, we've got a new career or a new entrepreneurial opportunity for those individuals who uh, love to cook and love to share what they cook. And I want you, those of us who are listening, who uh, were born in the 60s and grew up in the 70s and the 80s, I want you to remember when we used to make dinners and sell dinners. And I remember this so vividly where I grew up. There would be women, and it was always women, that would make a specific plate of, of dinner or make a specific meal and sell it. And I remember when I was in college, I ran what is now called a cloud kitchen out of my dorm room. And it's been many years, so I guess I can come clean. 
I purchased a double burner hot plate and I waited for the RA to go home. And on Friday nights, I would make a huge pot of chili. And that particular chili, I would use to pay whatever bills or whatever I needed money for. I would use the funds from it. And we always had parties on Friday nights. And after the party shut down, which was around 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, everyone was always so hungry. And when you walked into your dormitory, you could smell the aroma of the chili being cooked. I had pre-staged my food earlier in the day where I cut up onions and peppers and, you know, put everything in plastic bags and put them in my refrigerator. And when the orders started coming in, oh, the money started coming in. And that was my experience from watching my Aunt Juanita on how she did things in her restaurant and also watching my uncles at the Harambee Festival in Springfield, Massachusetts. So today, you know, we bring these things full circle because in our community, we have always had the selling of dinners, be it in a church or us doing it to make ends meet. You know, you make a meal, you sell a dinner, and that's how you made your extra money. I learned a lot from my aunts and uncles about the culinary arts and the culinary business. And I enjoyed uh, eating the foods, the different types of foods. So this particular podcast is really dedicated to them and the graduates because the lessons that they taught me were absolutely invaluable. So, we have, in today's society, in the society of COVID-19 careers, we have a disruptor in the restaurant business. And that disruptor is the ability to have that restaurant ambiance that we once had. Um, We can't have it as frequently as we would like, and we can't have it in the same mode that we used to have it in. So, one of the things that has Uh, been given birth to is the cloud kitchen. And I know what you're thinking. What in the world is a cloud kitchen? Well, the cloud kitchens were given birth to because of COVID-19, because it is, it is, and still is to this day, devastating to the restaurant business, not to have individuals be able to come in and sit and socialize because social social distancing is extremely important. So we have to find another way to do things. And that way is called the cloud kitchens. So what is a cloud kitchen? Glad you asked. A cloud kitchen is a commercial facility built to produce food specialties. It's a brick-and-mortar facility where one can go and prep their meals, box their meals, pack their meals, and sell their meals. And you're very familiar with this because you see things such as the Uber Eats and the Postmates and the Grubhubs and the DoorDashes that are out there. And, you know, you call at a restaurant, you get your food, they package it up, 
they deliver it to your home. That is our new normal, and that will continue for some time to come. But for those of you who have just graduated from a culinary arts institution and you want to really get your feet wet into the restaurant industry, Cloud Kitchens are going to be the way to do it. Because more and more restaurants are left standing utilizing that virtual cloud kitchen themselves. And we see it more and more. So I want to invite you to start thinking differently about the restaurant business and your ventures as a new entrepreneur or restaurateur. So if you wanted to have a restaurant in either San Francisco or San Diego or New York, you know, you're going to need somewhere in the neighborhood of a million and a half dollars to do that, at least, because there's a lot that goes into it. But with a cloud kitchen or a cloud restaurant, you need a fraction of that. So I want you to think about the food because the concentration is on the food. So your new modeling dynamic needs to be centered around the cloud kitchen methodology and the type of food that you want to bring to your customers, as well as the population or the customer base that you're looking to entice with your food. So the dynamics really haven't changed. What has changed is your mind, your thinking, and how you're going to go about this. With a cloud kitchen, you don't need to worry about decorating. You don't need to worry about ambiance. You don't need to worry about, hey, I got table number four ready, but I got a party of six over here. Where am I going to put them? Or they're just going to have to wait another hour. Or they're going to have to wait two hours or three hours. Things have changed dynamically. And cloud kitchens have become the restaurant's dynamic disruptor. There is tremendous cost saving on the upfront requirements and the seed money that you would have to invest if you had a physical facility. So with cloud kitchens, current restaurants, because they do have a commercial kitchen, they provide a culinary staffed kitchen. They may even provide the labor support which is needed, the cleaning, the security, um, maybe even the food prep if necessary, for your new restaurant, which is a new virtual restaurant that delivers the food, that makes the food and delivers the food. So these are things that you need to start thinking about. What I'm trying to do is shift the dynamics of your thinking to a virtual environment using virtual platforms to sell that wonderful, delicious, delectable food that you create. So I recognize that the concept is very new and most people are having a hard time trying to get their head around virtual kitchens and virtual uh, restaurants and putting all of that in a cloud type of environment. But I want to walk you through some things that are designed to just prick your thought process. So at this moment, I'm going to ask that you go get a pencil and paper, or if you have your phone and you can type it in your phone. 
however you want to do it. And just write down every single idea that pops into your mind as you're listening to this podcast. So one of the things that we know for sure, in order for restaurateurs to survive COVID-19 and move past it in a positive manner, they're going to have to think differently, which means their kitchens are their money makers. And they may be able to provide that facility to you, the new restaurateur, to come in and do what you do so well using their facility. Now, this is a new trend and it is a disruptor. But I can tell you honestly that more and more new food entrepreneurs are swaying towards that virtual environment because it's showing that it's flourishing. The facility's already set up. All you've got to do is use it. And it becomes more and more cost effective, especially in a time of COVID-19, because you still got that brick and mortar building that you might have to pay a mortgage on. Talking, of course, to the restaurateurs, the ones that own the physical building. A lot of restaurateurs are seeing the light and the viability of having virtual restaurants operate out of their kitchen. And that's why I tell my new graduates, do not despair. What you need to do is come up with a plan on how you can emerge in the food delivery business and create a new restaurant experience through the delivery business. And cloud kitchens are definitely the way to go. It's exciting because if you look at Generation X and Generation Y and a couple of Zs, they love eating different types of foods. They love the experience of tasting something different. And of course, Uh, writing about it on social media. They love talking about an eating experience that they may have had at a particular restaurant or a particular virtual cloud uh, environment. So these are things that I want you to think about as you sit back and you say, okay, how am I going to create a menu? How am I going to generate what is necessary in order to have a virtual environment. So one of the terms you might hear also is smart kitchen. A virtual kitchen is a commercial smart kitchen. And some of the things that I feel you should be looking for when looking at a commercial kitchen to optimize your new restaurant will contain equipment, infrastructure, and services. And I know that I sound similar to my systems engineering uh, ethos, but it's always going to be equipment, infrastructure, and services. But for the virtual kitchens or the cloud kitchens, what in the world does that look like? Well, equipment, I want you to think when you start looking at the environment that you might want to go into, I want you to think about these things. So under the umbrella of equipment, does the institution or the the restaurant that you're looking at, does it have three compartmented sinks? Is there a hand wash sink that's available? Is there a shared dry, cold, and storage um, area? Is there a commercial exhaust hood available? Those are some of the things that you need to look at as you're scoping out a potential environment for your cloud kitchen. 
Next, we have infrastructure. What does the infrastructure of that kitchen look like? And I want you to go back to those days when you were seated in class and you took a class on these things. All of that's going to start just coming back. Is there extraction and ventilation within the facility? Is the facility natural gas with an interlocking system? Does it have that? Do they have fire suppression? Because that's really, really important. And is there a single phase of electricity? How is the le- electricity in that particular facility? Next, I want you to think about what type of services does this kitchen provide for you? Because you're going to be there cooking your food and packaging your food and removing your food so that you can go and sell your food. So for me, fire safety is always important. Is there a fire safety system? Does that fire safety system work? Next to the fire safety system, daily cleaning. What are you doing in terms of your cloud kitchen for daily cleaning? Who's cleaning up before me? What solutions are they using? Or what solutions are we required to use? Wi-Fi. Does this cloud kitchen facility have Wi-Fi? Most of them do, but hey, you got to ask. Because if you didn't ask, you don't know. So we're looking at fire and safety. We're looking at daily cleaning. We're looking at Wi-Fi. And of course, we're looking at security services. Is this place secure? Because if something happens to you, you can't make your food, right? Makes sense. Next, we're going to look at the individuals that are exposed to that particular facility. Are they healthy? Are they clean? Are they wearing gloves? Are they wearing masks? You know, how is all of this being done? And those are the things that I want you to observe as you go looking at that cloud kitchen that you might want to use to produce the wonderful, delectable, delicious meals that only you can make. Now, of course, I couldn't give you everything, but it was important for me to just kind of lay out some basic things that I, as a novice, would look at in terms of if I wanted to bring my business to this particular virtual kitchen. And of course, the kitchen layout is important. I mean, is there enough lights? Do they have refrigeration? Can I use the refrigeration? Is it spacious enough that, you know, I can move around or have a team to move around? And when I say refrigeration, I do mean commercial refrigeration because that's important. You just coming out of a culinary arts institute know that certain foods have to be at certain temperatures in order to keep them fresh and in order to keep bacteria off of them. So everything you learned in school applies at this point. The next thing I want you to think about is, is it a turnkey solution? Is it a new location? Are you going to have to purchase any new software? And I always talk about software. I know because, you know, hey, I am systems engineer. So software is near and dear to my heart. What type of software are you going to utilize for your business to, number one, have your customers use to order through? Number two, have the monies from the customer deposited in a particular location where you can keep a tally of what's going on and or refund if you have to. Now, that's one piece of the software realm, and we're going to have another episode where we talk about the various types of software that you might need to start investigating 
start doing your research on. And the reason why I say that is because there's software that you have to leverage for your logistical support for your kitchen. And the technology becomes similar to, hey, your, your life's blood, because you want to be able to look at receipts and people checking in and the type of food and keeping inventory. Again, all those things that they taught you in school come into play at this point when you're looking at a cloud kitchen or a smart kitchen so that you can host what some are calling ghost restaurants. But it's your restaurant. This is Angela at the Substance of Life Experience podcast. Glad you could join us for this episode. Looking forward to you joining us on our next episode. Be safe.